This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. I'm here with a special guest. Okay. Special guest. His name is Dalton Cates. Dalton. Thanks for joining, man. This episode is special, okay, because we're doing something we normally don't do. We obviously dive into the bets. We dive into underdog. We dive into all that world. But Dalton lives in that world. He's leaving that world for our benefit to help us out. And we're going to be talking NFL draft. And We're going to be talking about NFL draft props. This is a way that you can kind of get, you know, there's some profit to be made here. Dalton, how you doing, man? Tell me more. Fantastic. Um, excited to be on. Um, excited to step out of the bubble and bring you and everyone else into the bubble for a little bit. Um, this is a grind, man. Draft season's a grind. It's also a really fun time, too. And like you mentioned, like this can be profitable as well. And really, it's all about paying attention to news and also the right type of news. And that's really the main thing, looking at odds, looking how things are changing, which teams potentially could be drafting a player. What happens in a scenario which, you know, somebody unexpected goes in a certain spot? How does that affect the rest of the draft and, and who could be falling in and who would be drafted earlier in those scenarios? And kind of just weighing all these different scenarios and possibilities. And like really, once you get outside the top few picks, it really is such a wild card. So you really have to kind of balance the probabilities of everything happening, listening to the right beat reporters on certain teams. Um, listening to some of these, following these mock drafts and knowing which of these guys that are putting on mock drafts might have some more inside scoops on certain specific teams and focusing more on those type of teams. And it's really just kind of like aggregating all of that and kind of just putting it into a blend of what you think and then, you know, putting it against the betting market and kind of betting into that. So it's, it's a really, really fun, interesting time for that. And I know everybody's out there making their mock drafts and it's my favorite spectacle of the year, the NFL draft, ever since I was like, you know, eight years old. I would, I don't know why, but it was always my favorite there. I'd be making my own mock drafts. My birthday is also that weekend too. So that might have something to do with it, but um, it's honestly such a fun time too. Like the off season is so fun and kind of gets us ready for the next season as we, as we head into it. hundred percent, man. I, I love that. You know, it, the draft has always been a fun time for me too. Like I've always gone to draft parties. Like, you know, I'm from New York city. So like, you know, I would go to like radio city. I would go to, you know, wherever these jets, New York jets draft parties were like, I would be, I would always be there. And there will always be players from the jets, like signing autographs, taking pictures and all that kind of stuff. So especially when I was a kid, that was something that I always used to go to. Um, but you can find Dalton's work. He actually puts his work out. 
Okay, stealinglines.substack.com. I'll put the link in the description. Make sure to go check that out. Uh, that's where you get the upper hand in sports betting. Okay, it's a 100% worth checking out. And, you know, Dalton's here, you know, to help us determine what potential values there might be when betting on the NFL draft, what goes what goes into his line of thinking there, uh, you know, betting on specific landing spots, whether guys will go in the top 10, top five, top six, first round or not and more stuff like we're we're naturally you know going to get into some of these potential landing spots and what we think of them um and this is also going to help you in your dynasty rookie drafts too because you know as well as how you know we we think that you know how we're going to be viewing these players where they go into the draft we know that draft capital means a ton when it comes to evaluating a lot of these these guys coming into the nfl um but before we get into it, let me just go down the draft order real quick, like the top 15 picks or so as it stands today uh, on April 5th. Okay, at number one, we got the Panthers, followed by the Texans, Cardinals, Colts, and Seahawks. That rounds out the top five. Lions, Raiders, Falcons, Bears, Eagles. Uh, Eagles, yes, Eagles are in the top 10. Uh, Titans, Texans, they got that number 12. So that's their second first-round pick from the Deshaun Watson trade. Uh, at number 13, we got the Jets. Patriots and Packers to round out the top 15. Okay. I'm just curious, Dalton, just curious, like just looking at that order there, there, there has been some talk about movement potentially with that number 11th pick and the Titans maybe moving up, right? If you look at the, the odds for them to take one of these top quarterbacks, they're higher than a lot of the teams even above them. So just curious what you think there, like, are you anticipating a potential trade from one of these teams that are in the top 15, maybe not near the top of the draft to potentially move up to grab a quarterback. Yeah, I think, I think my overall philosophy for the most part is when people say trades are happening to almost kind of like fade that and go against that because we hear it every single year and people in their mock drafts, they're always putting trades that are going to happen or they think are going to happen. And in reality, like, it doesn't really happen as often as we think last year it happened. Actually, we had one of the most trades that I think we've seen in recent memory. And um, that was like with Jamison Williams and some of the guys in the back end of it. But when we're talking about the top 10, we really don't see much movement unless it's for quarterbacks. With that being said though, I do think the third overall pick is very, very likely to be moved. Um, And whether it's the Titans, whether it's the Raiders at seven whether the Colts are just trying to move up just one spot. I think those are potential team fits there. I also would not be shocked really to see the Seahawks maybe jump the Colts and maybe for like Anthony Richardson, or maybe if they want the the top um, defensive lineman, like Will Anderson on the board. Um, I do think the Cardinals are just in such a desperate spot right now where they kind of understand that Kyler Murray is going to be out for half the season um, they're, they have a new coaching staff, a new GM. He probably wants to get his own players there. And really, like, they have so much to work on. Look, I'm, I'm from Arizona. I'm a Cardinals fan. We're going to be so bad this year. We're going to be so bad. And I think the GM, and, and they, they kind of understand that, um, especially, like, heading into next year, their goal is to have a lot of cap space. They didn't re-sign any of the free agents, like, like Zach Allen. They didn't re-sign him. Byron Murphy, they let him go. Um, also, in addition to that, like, next year's quarterback class Caleb Williams Drake may both guys viewed as like potential like generational like 
elite, like number one overall pick type players to where like if the Cardinals are leaning the first or second pick, they can now have an option of, hey, like we can go get Caleb Williams. We can go get Drake May and trade Kyler Murray or like, hey, we can keep Kyler and just trade it for an absolute ransom. So I think the Cardinals are in a spot where it's very, very likely they're going to trade down. And it's probably going to be one of these teams that it falls. I would say it's probably a team that's going to fall in love with Anthony Richardson. I think the Titans have been linked a lot to them and it makes a lot of sense because they're in a spot in which their GM now um, was the 49ers GM when they were sitting at 12, moved up to three for a very similar player. And Trey Lance, who I think Anthony Richardson is closer to, now they could look, he could look at it and be like, well, that didn't really work out in the best way. But like the process of doing that, being involved in that process, seeing what it took to trade up for that, knowing you probably have to get one of those guys. Titans really don't have one of those guys. And also you have to think of the fact that, you know, the Cardinals GM literally came from Tennessee too. So he also has those ties and those connections there too. Um, so I think that is a team to look in as well, especially when we talk about divisions and in the draft and teams trading, like the Colts are in their division. So you could want to jump them and maybe kind of, you know, leave them out to dry with the quarterback per se. So I think, I think that makes a lot of sense, but I also think the Raiders and the Colts also are teams to watch there. And I think it's very likely that the, the Cardinals do move out. I don't know where exactly to though. I, I think that's great insight. Obviously, you know, there's no reason for them to take a quarterback this year. Obviously they have Colin Murray and they can make a decision on that next year. DeAndre Hopkins, somebody they're likely going to move as well. You know, they, they're going to, you talked about, you know, getting rid of some of that cap space. That's obviously going to help them do that if they get rid of Hopkins relatively soon. Um, but I do want to talk about this number one overall pick uh, and those odds and where we like, you know, as of right now, you know, from, from what I've seen this morning, I've seen odds that as of today, CJ Stroud is the favorite minus 350 on bet MGM minus 300 on DraftKings. Bryce Young is sitting there at plus 225, plus 200, depending on what sports books you're looking at. You know, in my opinion, Bryce Young is the best quarterback in this draft class. There are some concerns, obviously, with his size. If you want to take zero risks, you maybe go C.J. Shroud there at number one. But with him as such a heavy favorite, obviously, there's no point in really, you know, shooting for C.J. Shroud anywhere. But Bryce Young at number one overall seems like it's still pretty likely. Yeah, I think I think one thing that's been so interesting just about the last year in drafts, and this is not just the NFL draft, we're talking NFL, NBA, even like NHL, MLB. Like I would say like a week before the draft, whoever was like the heavy favorite to get drafted did not get drafted. Trayvon Walker was like plus 300 a week before the draft. And then Paula Banchero was like plus three or 450 and he went first overall. And then like Jackson Holiday for MLB like was like, plus 500 like before the draft so it's like we've seen it like constantly where like these betting markets aren't necessarily reflective of what's going to happen and it's just it's just an information game right it's just like who is adam Schefter going to put our report of wow like the the 40 or the panthers are honing in on cd draft that'll obviously move the market or they're honing in on bryce young or they're honing in on maybe like an anthony richardson who knows and i think that's reflective of what information is coming out but i think this year in particular is very, very interesting because we had a trade up to one. And my thought process, and I think the Panthers thought process as well, would be like, we're not going to trade up to first overall unless we have a specific guy that we had in mind. Now, I, I get that there's reports out there that that the Panthers have a couple guys they like, and that that could be true. Like, 
Yes, they probably haven't gone through all their full evaluations, but when you're making a trade at first overall and you're trading DJ Moore, another first round pick, all that type of capital, and like essentially like you are banking on a specific player. So it's really hard for me to see a scenario where they didn't have a specific guy in mind. Now, like, could their mind be changed over this period? Sure, but like, it seems like they're pretty honed in on a guy. And I think for me, that guy is CJ Stroud. I think the betting market reflects that. Um, For me, I was looking at betting market and odds before this trade happened. And I think it was just more like a quarterback to team fit. And for me, it was like, if the Colts and Panthers traded for first overall, it felt like a CD Stroud pick. It felt like Bryce Young for the Texans was in the loop there. Um, I don't know how certain I'm on CD Stroud. I'd say like 80, 85%, but it feels like based on that specific fit, um, Josh McCown was on underdogs um, stream talking about quarterback prospects beforehand. I know this is kind of been blown yeah. up, but like he loves him. Um, CD Stroud probably best fits the mold of what Frank Reich is looking for in a coach or uh, in a, in a quarterback. Um, so I'd say that's the way I'm leaning now. But again, like I, I really, we don't know what's going to happen. Things change all the time. Um, and I'm sure this betting market could easily flip in like two, three weeks. Like it's, it's, it's the draft, like anything can happen. I remember, 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 Faraz, you remember, uh, what was it? Three years ago, three years ago, Sam Darnold, was the heavy favorite to go number one overall. Yeah. Baker Mayfield was like 20 to one to go first overall that morning. And then Adam Schefter drops the bomb and he just like flips. Like, like yep. for us, we've seen it all the time. It happens all the time when it happens. But like, again, with this trade happening, this might be a different s- scenario because like they probably already had a guy in mind and I, nothing's going to I think, I think the Panthers are doing, I think the Panthers uh, are doing I, a great I, job. We're just like making it interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I think it's, you know, in this particular situation, you know, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are, there's, they're similar, right? There, there are obviously, you know, a couple of nuanced differences. You know, one is somebody, you, you know, obviously CJ Str- Bryce Young is somebody who could really make plays outside the pocket, you know, that sort of thing. Potentially we've seen a little bit more of him under pressure succeeding in that department there. But, but the thing is like, if I'm the Panthers, like you're kind of moving up to number one, the thing about moving up to number one is that you're not you can you have all this time to make your decision, right? And if you move up to number two, for example, obviously, you know the Texans probably wouldn't want to do that. But if you were to move up to number two, then you kind of have to take whatever is left for you between those two prospects, most likely. Um, and moving up to number one, you're giving yourself. They moved up really early, right? Chicago, yeah. they basically were like, hey, like if you know whoever gives us the best deal first, we'll take it, and that's what they did which is I was kind of surprised about it because I'm surprised they didn't wait longer to see what other offers would come, you know, uh, on the table. Um, but him, but them trading that so early now kind of gives Carolina a lot of time to really evaluate. Now, like you said, it does seem like Josh McCown has fallen in love with CJ Stroud, you know, him going on with Josh Norris on the underdog podcast, going through all that film. And it, it seems like he does have a little bit of a crush on him. And then on top of that at the pro day, Right. You also see a, a more of that as well. So I, I, I do see that, you know, they're already like thinking about talking about, you know, a house in Charlotte and all that kind of stuff for CJ Stroud. So I totally get it. Like, I, you know, if I had to pick today, I agree CJ Stroud. But I'm looking at the plus 225 odds for Bryce Young. I'm looking at the plus 300 odds for CJ Stroud uh, over on BetMGM for the number two overall pick. 
right? So I'm looking at those two and I'm just like, hey, man, like if I throw 100 bucks in each of those, I'm getting paid out $700. Uh, not as a parlay, obviously, but it's individual bets. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, you know, that can totally happen, right? Because in my opinion, I think those guys are the two top picks in this draft, right? Like I don't see a world where Anthony Richardson, you know, gets taken as the first overall or the second overall pick. I don't know if you, you know, you have any thoughts on that. Like, do you think there's any chance that Richardson goes a top two? Yeah, I do. I don't know how likely it is. And I think, I think we're in a scenario right now. If the Panthers choose Stroud at one, I would be shocked if Bryce Young's not the pick at two. Um, But in a scenario where Bryce Young's picked first, now I think this is where like every single front office, especially in the top 10 that has quarterbacks might rank these guys a little differently. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if Stroud necessarily fits the Texans per se. And I think like in a scenario where the Texans are sitting there and Bryce Young is gone, like, I don't know. I think that's where things could open up a little bit. And we saw Lance Zerline release his mock draft yesterday and whatever Lancerline says for like the Texans, like he's plugged into the Texans. Like that's his team. When we're looking at mock drafts, Daniel Jeremiah's the Jets. Um, Peter Schrager is like Rams, Cardinals. Lancerline is the Texans. And what he put in his mock draft was Bryce Young going number one. And in that scenario, they had no quarterback going to. It was Tyree Wilson. But they had the Texans trading up from 12 to seven to take Will Levis at quarterback. And for me, that kind of just opened my eyes. And it was like, okay, like, Will Levis makes a lot of sense for, like, a Nick Casario, like, from, like, a Patriots type of build, like a big prototypical pro-style quarterback, whereas, like, C.D. Stroud's more of, like, he's more of a scheme fit. Like, he's not a quarterback who's going to make his progressions all the way down the field. Like, you need an offensive coach that can scheme towards him. Like, similar to what happened um with the eagles and with jalen hurts and what what these teams have done with like justin fields like i don't think cj strauss is the type of quarterback they can kind of just put in any offense and he's going to make the type of progressions that an nfl quarterback but if you put him in the right system where it's like very easy throws and along the lines where it's like okay you're gonna have one or two reads and here's what you're gonna do he's going to dominate because like his skill set is throwing the ball doing that but like i don't think his processing is on the same level as like a bryce young or maybe like some of these other quarterbacks in the draft where it's like a team like that may look at like a Will Levis or if they fall in love with the traits of an Anthony Richardson, feel like they can mold him in that sense. Like, I think that's where things open up. I'm not completely ruling out Stroud at two in that scenario, but I think, I think that's, I'm legitimately like, okay, like that's where things open up. And then like CJ Stroud's at three. Now it's like, do the Colts trade up? Does another team come jump up and, Go with the card. Right. I don't know. So I think Will I think, Levis uh, going to the Texans. That's a, that's sitting at plus fifteen hundred right now over on DraftKings. Uh, so that's 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 definitely an interesting one. Um, the, the for me, it's like the Texans are at two. It's like guys, don't fuck this up. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna be a sit at two, dude. Like and and CJ Stroud isn't the number one overall pick. Like don't take any risks there, Houston. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like go with the safe guy. Go with go with Stroud because there's a ton of questions around Anthony Richardson, obviously, but his upside is high. And Will Levis, you know, we don't know if his upside is too high, right? We don't know if there's a lot more questions around him, and him going in the top 10 uh, is definitely uh, interesting, to say the least. And, you know, obviously, you know, if you take someone like him, listen, like, he throws a lot of picks, right? 
you know, you're at number two and you're okay with like passing up on that, you know, to get somebody else. I mean, these quarterbacks are good prospects. It's not like this is a bad, you know, quarterback class, especially when you consider the top two. Um, and then Richardson's upside too, right? So I really hope, you know, for the te- if I'm a Texans fan, that they don't do, they don't pull any shenanigans like that. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's Bryce Young. I, th- I think basically what's happening right now is the Panthers are trying to position. Because remember, remember right when the Panthers traded for the pick, it was like, well, the Panthers like might trade down or like do this. And we're just like, like what? Like you just traded for the yeah. number one pick. Why would you do that? And I think, I think the reports of them potentially liking two guys like are true. Like, like they could have Stroud yeah. and Young like really high, but I think Stroud is a preference. But I think they're also in a scenario where, like, they know they just gave up a ton. Like, giving up DJ Moore, giving up your first next year, where it's like, and if they know the Texans are in on Young, which it feels like that team fit for Young is kind of perfect for both sides, like, just in terms of, like, stylistically, um, what the team would be looking for. And, like, Casario has some, like, Alabama connections, too. So it's, like, with, like, Saban. So that feels like pretty locked in in terms of a fit. So like they could be jockeying knowing that the Texans might want young and like Stroud will probably fall to them at two if they trade down. So like that could be what some of that is going on over here. Um, I don't know. Like I would be shocked if that happens, but it's just like, <laughs> I, I, I think, I, I think that's some of the stuff. Yeah. Right. Imagine, <laughs> imagine that dude. It's like, it's like you're playing fantasy football now at that point. It's like, it's like the fantasy football yeah, has finally man. entered the Jeez. NFL realm at that point. Where you're sitting there, you know, you've probably seen in a dynasty league some guy trade trades up to number one overall. And it's like they immediately put it on the on the on the on the trade block, right? And it's like, who right, wants of course, dude, dude, who wants who wants Bijan? Like, like who, who, yeah, that's right. Yeah, who, who wants Bijan? <laughs> I want more. Every, um, everybody, everybody has that one guy in the league that like will do like 17 trades. They'll like trade down from a certain spot and they'll move up a little bit and they'll move back. <laughs> like I was that guy for a while. Like I would just like move around there, but like. And everyone kind of thinks that like that's how NFL GMs work, and it's like I would love to see that happen. Just the entertainment factor that'd be great, but like that's just 100%. that's just not how they operate. But um, yeah. it was cool during last year's draft to see you know the Eagles you know trade you know for AJ Brown and Hollywood get moved. Also, like it was just all happening. You know, it was it was it was a lot of movement, which was which is really which made the draft like extremely fun to watch right now we talked about these first two picks right going to number three here like let's say cj stroud and uh bryce young are the two picks overall you you mentioned at number three arizona has a pretty good chance of moving out of that pick um now let's say arizona doesn't find a trade partner they're not getting enough for that pick i would assume that they're not going to take a quarterback right so we're looking at will anderson right we're looking at christian gonzalez right? Tyree Wilson, right? Those guys. As of right now, Will Anderson is the favorite uh, to go at number three. But I think that's assuming that, you know, nobody moves up to number three, right? And in that scenario, like, how are you playing that, right? Like you have, you know, you're looking at Cardinals potentially moving out of that pick, right? So how would you play it? Or do you just stay completely stay away from, from this particular spot because all the different scenarios involved? I would say the most likely scenario that I would be betting in, and again, I'm not betting anything on the number three overall pick market yet, but I would say the best value right now would probably be Will Levis at like six or seven to one right now. Just yeah. because if a team is moving up, let's say whether it's the Titans or the Colts or, or the Raiders, right? Like if a team is trading up, it's for a quarterback. 
And now you're essentially betting whether it's going to be Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. I do think Anthony Richardson is likely the guy teams are trading up for, but at those odds, you've really kind of canceled out like every single person except for those two players. Yeah, Richardson's at plus 125, which is good, actually good odds for, and that's on, on, uh, on, Bet I think that's on uh, Bet MGM and then on DraftKings cool. at minus one seventy five. So he's the favorite yeah. to go at number three uh, according to DraftKings. Yeah, exactly. So it's like right now it's a really tough market to kind of look at because the market is so priced in on a trade already happening to where yeah, like it, every quarterback seems there. So it's like if you want to really go down and I th- and I mentioned this scenario again was like if I were to do a bet right now it might be just on like a CJ Stroud, like 25 to one to go third overall or something along those lines yeah. where it's like, if he doesn't yep, yep. go first, like that's, that's the spot. He's probably going to get picked. I mean, I wouldn't say yeah. probably get picked. Like he's easily, he could easily go to, but it's like, it just, it just more scenarios at two where things could go awry for Stroud, where it's like, he goes to three and that's where a team trades up to get him. So yeah, I think I can see that's that. a spot where it's interesting. I, I, it's really hard to bet on any of these players as if the Cardinals are sticking, but if the Cardinals were to stick, like I think they have, I would say three guys they really like. It would be Will Anderson. You mentioned three guys. Will Anderson, Gonzalez, and Tyree Wilson. I know yeah. if they're trading back, I know Wilson and Gonzalez are probably the guys they're going to be targeting. Like, right. I think Gonzalez is probably a guy they really, really like, and they probably just don't want to take him at three. Or Wilson, it's like they probably have these guys that like they know they can get some value back. And I'm always curious if the Cardinals take less to trade down just because they do have this kind of tier of guys there. So um if I were to bet it, I would it would just be like something crazy. Like it probably Stroud like twenty five to one or something along those lines right now. But yeah he's he's I see him at twenty five to one right now on DraftKings. Um so that's definitely an interesting mm-hmm. one. I can see it happening. So you know most likely, you know, I think the scenario is going to be where three quarterbacks are off the board in the first three picks mm-hmm. here, right? And that's assuming that the Cardinals do end up trading out. But the Colts though, the Colts, you know, there's a good chance that they stay put, right? And, you know, they're at number four, and there's been a lot of ties to Will Levis here, right? And uh, Anthony Richardson, as of right now, seems to be the favorite to go at number four overall, according to the sports books. Um, but Will Levis at plus 150, you know, that's an option. And, you know, if you're looking at all the non-quarterback options, um, it, it, it seems to me like, you know, they're, they're odd. it doesn't seem like Vegas at least thinks that, a court, uh, you know, any other a non-quarterback will go there obviously cj stroud bryce young crazy odds plus 3500 each of those guys to go in number four overall but we talked about that but what are you hearing in terms of you know will levis and anthony richardson if they're both available to the colts the colts have the key to the draft right now in terms of they can entirely put the key in walk in the door and turn this party upside down they can absolutely flip this on their head and here's how they would flip it on their head is we know that they have been you know rumored as the most likely team to lamar jackson it seems like every team that has been a viable fit for lamar jackson has kind of come out and said we don't want lamar jackson or something along the lines where they're disinterested and even offering him or going along the lines of that. And I think it's because teams could realize that the Ravens would match an offer or something along those lines. But like some of the teams aren't even that interested in like maybe a sign and trade or something along. But Chris Ballard came out and was like, oh, he's a special player. And and if a special player is available, like we got to go do our due diligence. And this right. is now coming out after the fact of them 
maybe missing out on the first overall pick. So I don't think it's a lock that the Colts take a quarterback. And I think there's going to be more and more rumors as the draft approaches about what the Colts are going to do, especially if a team is trading up, especially if a team is trading up, Titans or Raiders move up to three. Are the Colts going to sit there and just take whoever falls to them? Like normally a team, we see this every year. Like it's normally a team is not going to take who falls to them. A team is normally trading up for a guy because they really like a guy instead of like having someone fall in their laps. Like we just really don't see it that often. Like think of all the quarterbacks in the past like few years that um, have like been the third or fourth quarterback, like Josh Allen got traded up for even Josh Rosen, um, Justin Fields got traded up for um, who else? I mean, last year was terrible, but um, Trey Lance was a third quarterback. He got traded up for. Um, so we Ma- see it with these Mac third Jones, and fourth- Mac Jones ended up falling right to a team that was willing to take yeah. him in the middle of the first round. And even that some could say was a mistake. Right. Um, so, and yeah. there were teams, you know, in between that where they could have taken a quarterback, but they passed on Mac Jones. Yeah. So exactly. So the thing is like, unless the, I could easily see the Colts trading up to three and just being like, Hey, like we want to make this move. They might have to, it might be overpriced. Like, because to move up one spot, the Cardinals have a lot of leverage on the Colts now. Where it's like if they're only moving down one spot, they might ask for a decent asking price for that. So if the Colts really like a guy, right. they really like Anthony Richardson, they like Levis, cool. Like I could definitely see that happening. Um, but I think I think I think the Lamar Jackson aspect of things is like, you know, dang, we just missed out on the first overall pick. Like maybe we set our sights towards Lamar Jackson and instead use this number four overall pick as part of trade negotiations with the Ravens. So if the Colts were to sign it an offer sheet... Me, it seems to me like they're, they're going to have to give up that pick at the very... I mean, yeah, it's like two first-round sure. picks, right? You know, for that you know that tender. So yeah, exactly. they're going to have to send at least this year's first-rounder, which is the number of four overall pick. And then the Ravens go ahead and take that number four overall pick and choose a quarterback, potentially. Yeah, exactly. So I, th- I think this is a really interesting thing with the whole Lamar Jackson. And I'm not like... I, I don't know exactly the the nooks and crannies of how these contract works and what you can do in terms of like sign and trades and whatnot. But it seems like the sense is if the Colts were to trade or were to have Lamar Jackson, it would not necessarily be them signing the offer sheet and then the Ravens letting them go. It'd be more of like, Hey, like Ravens, you are going to sign Lamar Jackson and then trade him away towards us. And now we can negotiate and have this number four overall pick be like the main part of the deal. Instead of them giving it two first round picks, like the number four overall picks, like, worth that so it's like you can almost find a trade where it's like uh, oh, not a straight up but like almost a one for one of like a fourth overall for lamar jackson type of trade there which you assume naturally like the ravens are probably going to be taking a quarterback in the scenario so if we're looking at this market like that could happen too but it's also like a scenario where the colts like want to get lamar jackson and they want to trade back and maybe the seahawks move up a spot and get a will anderson or something i i don't know i, th- I think the fourth fourth overall pick is like it's so locked in on the quarterback right now. And it seems likely that a quarterback's going to be taken. But if I were to be betting this market, like I would start looking like down the board a little bit um, and just looking at potential fits for the Colts, maybe, or another team, maybe like, I don't know, like a Paris Johnson 50 to one, or just like something ridiculous along the lines of like, um, I mean, Christian Gonzalez is 12 to one now, but it's like, if you can get like 20 to one on a Christian Gonzalez or like, like the top tackle or like a, a, a Devin Witherspoon, like 60 to one, like 
and just just sprinkling in some of those just like long shot things because there is a lot of things still to kind of happen with the Colts and we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know we don't know anything yeah. that's going to happen there, especially for the Cardinals yeah. back to four. Now it's like Christian Gonzalez is extremely live to go fourth overall. Um, yeah. Or like I see him at fifteen Wilson. to one. I see him at fifteen to one on uh, BetMGM here, so that's 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 not bad. So I, I like your line of thinking there because it's like there is no guarantee that no, that a quarterback goes number four overall. So yeah. you know why not shoot for the moon? Um, because anything mm-hmm. can happen at that point. Um, yeah. You know. So you know, uh, moving on to number five is where the Seahawks are are are, are going to be picking from and. The Seahawks can really go in any direction here, right? Like, there is no guarantee they take a quarterback. They could potentially move down as well. They can move up to take a quarterback. They can stick where they are and potentially have a quarterback fall to them that they maybe like. Uh, you know, it's funny because if uh, – what's his name? Greg Roman was still the Ravens offensive corner. <laughs> They're like, all right, well, we'll just go ahead and trade Lamar Jackson, and then we'll just go ahead and take Anthony Richardson, and we'll run the same exact offense that we were running. Not to say that Lamar Jackson isn't a better quarterback. I'm just saying that, you know, uh, his style of offense would really cater to someone like Anthony Richardson. Um, but, but yeah, man, like, I, you know, the Seahawks, I think – as our wild card as well at number five and obviously the further you go into the draft the, the more of a wild card this draft becomes um but you know same thing there like what do you think the seahawks are going to be doing like you know anthony richardson you know he might be gone by that point but if he's not you know plus 900 odds for him right if will levis ends up going off the board before him um you know him sitting behind geno smith for a year potentially kind of you know getting a little bit of of working behind him and he doesn't have to play year one Right. Um, but then as of right now, it seems like Will Anderson is the favorite, but there is no real favorite at, pl- at number five overall at this point. So we'll, we, we just real quick talk about the Seahawks and then we'll get into some of the the other props like first player, offensive player selected, you know, how many quarterbacks will go into round one and the more fun stuff after that. We're getting deep in the woods. They got it. They got everything. Um, so there's this guy on Twitter. Rob Staten, I think I'm saying his last name correctly, but he's an incredible follow. And in terms of just Seahawks coverage, it, it is just a, un, amazing. I read every single word of everything he puts out. And he has really, like, really made it kind of easy in terms of just understanding the philosophy of the Seahawks, what it is they're trying to do. And for me, I really have two guys here that are kind of, I'm kind of circling. It'd be one, be Will Anderson, two, it'd be Anthony Richardson. So, I think Will Anderson is the guy they really want. I think I think that's the guy the Seahawks really, really want is Will Anderson. But again, if he goes three or four, I think Anthony Richardson's a guy. And I also think like the Seahawks are really young on this quarterback class. And I think they're kind of in this weird scenario where like they're sitting at five. If they're sitting at three, like I would feel pretty comfortable about Anthony Richardson. The Geno mm-hmm. Smith deal, it's like, it's in a perfect spot for him specifically like Anthony Richardson to kind of sit behind him a little bit. There's no pressure to start right away, but traits wise, like this is exactly what John Snyder and Pete Carroll want. They want him like a Will Levis kind of fits that build as well. Um, Rob Staten went on a limb and said that the Seahawks are hundred percent not drafting Jalen Carter. So Hmm. um, I thought that was very interesting. And like, I thought if if you didn't tell me that, if you didn't tell me that, I would have been like, Seahawks are the ones drafting Jalen Carter. Right, <laughs> right. And it, it, like, right. That's what I would have thought. This, this is exactly like why we 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 follow these information, follow these beat writers, right? Because it's like it really just kind of hones in. 
And I think the biggest part about, especially when it comes to betting the draft, it's less about what you think is going to happen and more about like what you think is not going to happen and then betting around that. So just like finding scenarios in which like, okay, we know this is not going to happen or we've kind of honed it to two or three or four scenarios. And like based on those four scenarios, what are the best odds and what do we think could potentially happen in those scenarios, right? So um, for me, like they have Jalen Carter, like to go to the Seahawks, like plus 400 or like he's like one of the favorites to go yeah, I, team fit wise. And it's just like, for me, like I, I'm not even looking at that again. Like right. I'm going to trust Rob here. He's, he's locked in with what's going on and the prototypes and everything they're looking at. So I think Will Anderson or Anthony Richardson are really interesting for them. Like I'd be shocked if one of them, one of those two is not the pick. But again, like there's also a scenario where both of them go ahead of him. And in that scenario, like I, I, I think Will Levis potentially like could be a sneaky play there, but um, I really don't know what would happen if Richardson and Anderson are gone um, there. But I think I, one, I, I, I hear that. Shocked one of them. Richardson sitting mm-hmm. at plus 900 uh, at Bet MGM and Will Levis is at plus 1000 at number five overall. Um, I want to move on to we, we've talked plenty of quarterbacks and obviously you know, Stroud, Young, Richardson, Levis, probably locked in, in the into the first round. The line for how many quarterbacks are going to be taken in the first round is set four and a half. And I think that's relative, relatively obvious at this point. Now, Hendon Hooker becomes the wild card here, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, does he make his way into the first round, right? And if you think he will, you know, you take the over four and a half at, you know, it's only set at plus 100. Uh, the under is set at minus 140. So meaning that you know, the favorite right now is that only four quarterbacks that get taken in the first round, according to Vegas. How are you feeling about this one? Obviously, you know, uh, Mike Tannenbaum had, you know, this dude going at fifth overall to the Seahawks, which is a little bit ridiculous. Uh, but, you know, it, it is interesting either way. Uh, but let me hear your thoughts, man. Do you think Hendon Hooker ends up being taken in the first round this year? Yeah. So when, when this line dropped, it was actually like four and a half. The over was like plus 250 or like plus 300. So it was like juiced like heavy oh, wow. towards the under. And I would say in the past like week, there's been a lot more like Hendon Hooker buzz. I think like Matt Miller put out something and Ian Rapport talked about like the Saints. Um, so yeah. we're in this scenario now where he's being talked about a potential first rounder. And and we, we have to take a step back and look at how Hendon Hooker was potentially viewed before his ACL injury. And he was one of the players actually about to go first overall when he was he was having like a Heisman level yeah. type of season for Tennessee um can run the yeah, ball mid-november if you were if you're talking about mid-november like around that time like right before thanksgiving before he got hurt it was just like he, w- he was playing you know very good football um and you know i think a lot of smart gms might might look at that system and say like hey you know i'm not sure if it'll translate but at the end of the day like the season he was having was was legit yeah 100 percent. And, and the thing too is like he can re- he, he offers that dual threat ability of like runner thrower he's like he has a cannon of an arm he has good deep throwing he has a lot of things that you're looking for in a quarterback but again he's 25 years old coming mm-hmm. off an acl injury and we might not be able s- to play year one right exactly like, you know and maybe towards the end of year one but what's the point of that at that, at that exactly you know, so that what point, he's gonna know, be he's gonna out. be like 26 years old when he's t- yeah. taking his first nap i mean like you might as well throw me up. 26 I mean, and a like, half. 26 <laughs> and a half because his birth is in January. So he's going to be 26 man. when this season's over. He'll yeah, it's crazy. It's literally crazy. Yeah. So it's like, it's almost like the, the, you remember Brandon Weeden back then. He was like the 28 years old. I don't even know how he was able to get into college <laughs> back in the day, but he somehow snuck into Oklahoma <laughs> State. I don't know if he had like, I don't know if he's in like bench warmers, but it's like the, the I'm 12 thing. That's probably what Brandon Weeden did to get into college. Hunter <laughs> Nooker might have done the same thing to get in there. And now it's like they find out his real age, and now he's just like, oh well, like yeah. 
Well, I uh, called we'll him still a, take him a, or whatever. A, 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 in our last, we did quarterback prospects in our last episode. I called him a narc, like from twenty. <laughs> yes, That's dude. what it reminded me of. <laughs> he is, dude. He's just trying to fit in with everyone else. He's he's doing like so something I, just I, for men or something to like uh, right. you know, keep it look, keep it looking good. So what do you think? Like, do you think he ends up like? Is it just hype, or do you think that it's going to end up like like one of these teams are going to be desperate and they're just going to end up pulling the trigger on an older quarterback? Yeah, no, I, pr- I promise I'll get to my point in a second. Um, well, <laughs> um, and then the so so the re- the reason why I say that is like that that's how teams pen- potentially evaluate him as a first round quarterback heading in. But we also hear this every year. Remember, like it's Malik. It's every single year. There's always this guy like kind of at the back of first round. And it's like, oh, is this guy going to like sneak into the first round or like? And it's like a lot of times that like never happens. It was like Kellen Mond. It was like Malik Willis last year. Um, I remember Desmond Ritter was kind of like in that range as well, where it's like people thought Desmond Ritter was going to sneak in. It's like, no, none of these guys do that. And a lot of these times, the guys that aren't locked in and aren't viewed as these top guys just end up falling out of the first round. So I would say my lean right now is probably to go under four and a half at that, at that price. Um, It's probably a play I'm going to, I'm probably going to officially do um at that price because at that point it's like you have to look at specific teams and it's like the seahawks would if the seahawks get like a willie anderson like he would make sense but they're picking at 20 it's like do you do it there or do you are the lions at 18 going to do that or now it's like you're looking at some of the playoff teams do they really want to spend a first on picking a quarterback like the saints kind of make sense but you just gave Derek Carr. no yeah exactly I, I don't see that either. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So, I, I get the idea of getting a fifth-year option, but it's also like this guy's going to be 30, like one years old when you're giving him a fifth-year option. It's like, it's like, dude, come on. Like he can be good. You, there's, there's a lot of question marks there. Like I could easily see him being like a second-round quarterback or I mean, if a team's willing to risk that for that, like I, I could see him going first. I could, but like at this point. There's also like, the Bucks. There's also the Bucks, right? Like they, 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 they're – in the market for a quarterback, they could potentially trade up to like, I can see that happening as well um, as somebody who needs a quarterback. Cause I don't think they're sold. Obviously Baker Mayfield is Baker Mayfield. And you know, they have a quarterback that they drafted in the second round two years ago, but I think they might be in the market once again for a quarterback. True. True. Yeah, that, that is true. And I think, I think someone put out like the Vikings that, that get, that could make sense. Kirk cousins mm-hmm. on like his last year. Like I could, I could see that they, they tried to get maybe like a Kellen Mond, um, that could be interesting. I th- I think it's going to be one of the teams that drafts Hooker would be a team that already has a starter in place, but is not like an elite starter. So it'd be like a mid tier. It could be like a Geno Smith or a Jared Goff yeah. or a Kirk Cousins or a Derek. I mean, the Saints would make sense, but I would I would be shocked if they sent a first round pick on a quarterback when they really have like no draft capital and they kind of have they're in a spot where they can win, but like they kind of need like another extra boost, maybe yeah. on like the defense or something. So there's also Washington um, too, but like we're, we're- where their draft, you know, it's a little high for a hooker. They, maybe they trade down, I, exactly. I, or maybe they trade up from the second round. But I can't imagine yeah. teams trading up for a hooker. You know, I just, I don't see that that at all. I see like they, they, if you're thinking about it, he 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 gets to you, and you make the pick. But I don't see any scenario where any teams are trading up for him. I want to talk about some of these skill players. Um, and Bijan Robinson, obviously, you know, the he holds the heart of many fantasy football fans this year. He's going to be the savior of so many fantasy football teams more likely that he's not going to be the savior, but you think he is uh, <laughs> even though I, I love him, but your dynasty roster is probably not ready for B. John Robinson to take you to the promised land. Um, 
By the way, his odds to be the first running back selected is at minus 10,000. So that's a lock, <laughs> and we knew that. Uh, but it gets interesting when you start to talk about who the second running back selected will be. Right, Jameer Gibbs is the favorite right now at minus 2,000. Okay, Zach Charbonnet is at plus 550. And you're looking at Ty J. Spears, Tank Bigsby, uh, all sitting at plus 5,000. I don't think any of those three would be in line for that second running back taken. But Charbonnet at plus 550 an interesting one to me because Jameer Gibbs is uh, is a great player. I, I think that he is the second best running back class, but he is a very specific type of running back, right? And if there's a coach there who does not know how to use him, he won't be used properly. And not every coach know, will know how to use a guy like Alvin Kamara. Not every coach will know how to use a guy like Austin Eckler. Not every coach knows how to, you know, use these guys who are much better in the receiving game than they are in the run game. Uh, and he is a smaller back. So you're going to have to have somebody compliment him in the first place. Now, a team could go ahead and say, Zach Charbonnet is a complete package. Obviously, he's nowhere near Gibbs as a receiver. He's capable there, uh, but he's not that guy. So I can see a team saying, you know what, we really need a back on early down, somebody to really grind it out. You know, Titans, we're losing, you know, we're losing Derrick Henry at some point. Like, I want somebody to be able to run the ball for us. Zach Charbonnet could be that guy. So him at plus 550 is a little intriguing to me. Yeah, no, I think I think that's an interesting look, too. I, th- I was thinking heading into the draft process that Jameer Gibbs would be getting more, like, round one, like, consideration. Like, I legitimately thought, like, he would profile as someone that teams thought would be like a late first round or someone along the lines of like a Travis Etienne mm-hmm. or Najee Harris or Josh Jacobs, like somewhere in that range where yeah. it's like, this guy's a round one talent. We're just questioning whether the positional value was there for him to do that. And now I'm seeing like Agreed. some rankings, like, like Daniel Jeremiah has him like in the forties and like Charbonnet's like in the fifties. And now it's like, once you get into the second round with running backs, it really, really becomes like, who do I like better? Like Jonathan Taylor was like the third running back selected. I think it was Clyde and then it was Swift and then it was JT that year. So it's like sometimes what we view as the best running back, sometimes it's scheme fit. Sometimes teams just fall in yeah. love with a very specific type of player. Um, so those markets I think are interesting to look at. I still think Jameer is like still like the locked in guy, but I'm really curious over, I would say over the next week or two, just to kind of see, how some of these mock drafts are looking in terms of Gibbs, how many of them are having him in the first round. That'll be really interesting for me to see, because if I start to see more and more and more mock drafts with him not being in the first round, now that's where I become a lot more interested in betting like a secondary guy, like a Charbonnet, who I think is in NFL eyes is probably like the clear RB three, just in terms of skill set, what he can bring to the table. Um, But again, like, yeah, I, I was expecting more more locked in Jameer Gibbs. Because of that two. scheme type of thing, it's like not every coach can draft him, you know, and know what to do with him. We're talking yeah. Gibbs here, right? And yeah. you know, he's a he's a good route runner and like he's kind of like a scheme fit. And you you mentioned the running backs in the first round, right? The line is set at one and a half, obviously. B. John's a lock. Um, you know, the the under one and a half is set at minus four fifty. Uh, the question is, like, do we think a team jumps on Jameer Gibbs, right? Like you mentioned, right? I think if mm-hmm. a team does jump at a running back in the first round, it's Gibbs, like outside of BJ, yeah. obviously. Um, yeah. Even though I can see a team, like I said, taking Charbonnet over Gibbs, if that makes sense, but mm-hmm. not in the first round. Like, no one's t- yeah. taking Charbonnet in the first round, right? Like, I think Gibbs is that higher ceiling player. Uh, over one and a half 
running backs in the first round is set at plus 300. Um, I'm not sure if I, I love that just because like, I don't know if Gibbs, you know, like we've seen it, you know, every single year where like these elite running backs coming out are not getting taken the first round. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, like Bryce, like Brees Hall was taking the second round, right. Kenneth Walker taking the second round. So like a guy like Bijan, who's like a generational type of talent. Sure. With him, we can see him being taken first because like he's top 10 in a lot on a lot of big boards for a lot of mm-hmm. teams. Right. So that's why he would go, end up going the first round. I don't think Gibbs would be, you know, in the you know top 20 or anything like that for, for a lot of these teams at this point on their big boards, at least. Right. So mm-hmm. I want to talk about Gibbs landing spot though, because I have a favorite and, you know, I think a lot of people might love this favorite. Right. So who's going to draft Jameer Gibbs, right? So these these is this is where the odds are sitting at right now. Bengals at plus seven hundred, Cowboys as well. Chargers at plus eight hundred. I, I don't I don't see the fit with the Cowboys personally, so I, like that's like off my radar. Uh, the Chiefs at plus nine hundred, the Bills at plus one thousand, and then you have the Saints, Eagles, Rams, Broncos, Cardinals, all at fifteen to one. Um, the Chiefs at nine to one though, I'm loving that. Like, I, and it's you know what it is, dude. Like this is what happens with me, and I'm really bad at this. Okay, and this is a fault of mine. But like, what I want to see happen is where I'm betting. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I want to see him land on the Chiefs, <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? Like, I just think about him. You know, with Andy Reid, like he's gonna be the guy that you know he wishes Ceh was right. Ceh yeah, right. was mm-hmm. a guy who you know he caught a ton of balls in college, but he was never efficient. Right. And that was his problem. Like little Jameer Gibbs is literally like the opposite with the volume and with the efficiency, you know, on two mm-hmm. different teams in, in college, in, in his career, college career. So uh, I, I would love that to happen. So but I think that they're in the need for a running back. Right. Like, I don't think they have a running back on the roster where they're just like they love them. Right. Like, I don't think yeah. that, you know, they had they got this, you know, running back last year, like th- this running back by committee, whatever, like they, they made do with what they have. But I just feel like Jameer Gibbs, 15 touches on that offense. You know, they love to pass the ball. I think out of the backfield, we saw what McKinnon was able to do. Imagine what Jameer Gibbs can do in that offense. Yeah. A a team, like, very similar along the lines that I would love to see him on. And I think this could be a potential fit. Like, if you're looking at, like, where Gibbs could go in the late first round, like, I think the Bengals is a very interesting spot. Joe Mixon looks likely to be gone. They could invest in someone like Gibbs, get him on a fifth-year option, like a cheap deal for a running back. And I would just love to see that speed element in that offense alongside like Jamar Chase and T Higgins and um, Tyler Boyd. Like that would be so fun. And I think for me, it's been very frustrating to kind of watch Joe Mixon in that offense and kind of like how they've been utilizing him a little bit. Like he's been like a, a solid running back, but it's like you felt like you could kind of get more there. And it's like that explosive element of like a Jameer Gibbs for me would be like, that, that would be so fun. Whereas like if they, they're probably going to invest in somebody like they, they could easily get a Charbonnet in the second round if he falls to them, but it's like, and that would be like almost like a one for one replica of like a Joe Mixon. But I think the Jameer Gibbs speed aspect of like having somebody in the passing game, because we've seen the Joe Burrow and the Bengals utilize their running backs in the passing game. Like for me, like that is the one that I'm just like praying to God that we see Jameer Gibbs on the Bengals. That would be like, absolutely dynamite that would be fun to see um but i'm also by the way i'm also praying for that as well for the Bengals. but it's not jameer gibbs it's Bijan. like Bijan, you know will he last right down all the way down to the 28th can the Bengals even trade up for Bijan? just a couple picks i can see it you know i can see it for someone like Bijan, i can see it because he's just that type of talent and yeah. you know at 28 man like you know there's a lot of 
we don't know where Bijan's going to go, right? If he could go in the top 10, surprise everybody, you know, it'd be a throwback to when running backs, you know, were top 10 in top 10 consideration, right? Or he could go at the end of the first round. So, you know, Joe Mixon's out the door. Like, he, he, I don't think he's going to be on the team. And, you know, Bijan on that, like, they're one of those rare rosters where you have a quarterback, the offensive line got better. You have the receivers. Like, what else do they need on offense, right? A playmaker out of the backfield. And Joe Mixon, he's been solid, right? But can you really consider him a playmaker coming out of the backfield, like, over the last year or two? Not really, especially last year. So, Bijan coming in behind, you know, uh, you know, with Joe Burrow, like, I love it, dude. Like, that's the one I'm praying for. <laughs> yeah, dude, Bijan is the ultimate NFL litmus test. Like, we are going to see how much they actually value running backs because five, six years ago, Bijan Robinson's like a locked in top 10 pick, like a locked in top yeah. 10 pick. Like, he's yeah. like a Saquon Barkley. Like, Saquon went second overall. Like, again, if yeah. Dave Gettleman was not there, who knows how far Saquon would have went? Like, I would have loved to see. It might how have still NFL, been top 10, though. He probably would have been top 10, but. He's not yeah. second overall, but we saw like Leonard right. Fournette, Zeke, Christian McCaffrey, those guys go there. And for me, like Bijan is a better prospect than all of them, maybe outside of Saquon. Like I think Zeke, there's an interesting yeah. conversation there, but I think like you can make the case that Bijan's a better prospect. So for me, like it's like we see Najee go and Travis Etienne go 24, 25, and Bijan's clearly better than yeah. them. Um, so for me, like I would be kind of shocked if he falls outside the top 20 like i'd be pretty shocked if he does i agree but again like uh, the, the nfl could be like hey like we we're kind of just like going to just tip the scales a little bit and just be like hey we don't like running backs that much okay and this scenario is where we're like for betting it actually becomes really interesting because what's going to happen is after the first day now they're going to release even more over underlines on day two so if we see right. somebody like Bijan start to fall i would say if he falls past 20 if he falls past 20 that is a very bad sign for maybe like a Jameer Gibbs or a Zach Charbonnet. So if they release Jameer right. Gibbs or Charbonnet is over under, I'd probably be more willing to take their overs because that just says like we had 20 teams pass on who everybody in like the scouting community, all scouts and everything have them as like a blue chip type prospect. And you yeah. rarely see blue chip regardless of position kind of, unless you're like a kicker or something and Robert Aguayo goes second round or something like <laughs> signs, right. which turns out he wasn't a blue chip um <laughs> whatsoever um he's more like a lace chip but uh, regardless like it was um <laughs> like basically what you're looking at is like Bijan. um yeah it's, it's going to be a really interesting thing to just see how the nfl values him and what what's going to happen yeah him. so i'm really yeah, i'm yeah. really really curious to see because i have no idea where he's gonna go but uh, i i hear that man mm-hmm. um so the Bengals are sitting at plus 12 1200 that would be amazing uh but like right yeah. around 20 you have the chargers at 21 they're they're sitting at plus four fifty, right? I could see that being a possibility. Obviously, with the Austin Eckler hold, like he's not holding out. I was gonna say hold out the contract situation there. Um, you got the Commanders at sixteen, right? They don't. So the Commanders are interesting because you know they have Eric Bieniemy going over there, and like, listen, I, I'm not, I. They have one running back on in on that roster that fits that system, and who was that? That's. That's the guy that they've been avoiding, right? Fantasy, all of us wanted to see this guy, like, be the guy, right? But we mm-hmm. haven't we haven't been able to. And, you know, and it, it, it kind of sucks because Brian Robinson, I, I didn't think he was a great prospect coming out, but it was like almost, he was almost like forced into that role last year, right? And then you have Antonio Gibson. I think he's the one who fits that offense right now. Now, if they're mm-hmm. past Antonio Gibson, 
I don't think Brian Robinson fits that offense at all this year. Um, and Brian and I think Bijan could potentially be there for them. Now, is Washington a, a running back away? I don't think so. I think it's a bad pick <laughs> for them. You know, if they were to do that, right? Like, I don't think that's a smart pick. Um, you know, would they? Would they be better suited elsewhere? I think so. Um, Cowboys, I can see that happening, but that's see they're all the way down at twenty six, right? Yeah. The Vikings at twenty three. That's a potential as well with the situation with Dalvin Cook, right? Alexander Madison, like he's not like a feature back, like he's somebody that they sign on on the cheap. I think three and a half million a year, so nothing crazy there. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if if something like that were to happen. The Lions, I don't see that happening at eighteen, just because they signed David Montgomery for the next couple of years, like. I don't see them, you know, I think they're, they're kind of solid at running back at this point, and they may be like fill in other holes elsewhere. Do, does, do any other teams like kind of like just shout at you, be like that's a potential or or what are you thinking about that? I'm looking up the board a little bit. I'm looking at Falcons oh, yeah. at eight. I think that I think that really starts. I think that's yeah, I think I, I think it's where the range starts. Um, they have a need at running back. Um, went to the combine talked to someone with the Falcons was asking about Algier. They basically were like, we like Algier, but like, we're going to add a running back type of thing. They haven't had anybody to there. So like, I don't know if like Bijan's the the running back, I would say it's more likely they could draft around two or three, but like the Falcons are such a wild card at eight where it's like, they can yeah. go any route. And like, we know Arthur Smith, he's with the Titans. They had Derrick Henry they could just look at Bijan and be like, well, we have our guy here. Like, let's go get him. Especially like if they're really, 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 really want to go in the season with Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter as their quarterbacks, that would make sense in terms of like, okay, we're going to shift the offense around there. Me as a Kyle Pitts and Drake London guy, like I'll shed tears because those will be three of my favorite players. Bijan, Drake London, would absolutely, He would absolutely crush in Atlanta. He would crush there. He would absolutely crush there. He would, and it puts oh, amazing. And think about this: like, what if the Falcons do that, and then their team's like bad enough to where they get like a Caleb Williams or Drake May? Now it's like you have potentially like three years down the road, the Falcons have the best offense league: Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Bijan Robinson, and quarterback amazing. next year. Like, it would be yeah. it would be amazing. So, like, I think I think that's a line. scenario. Right, exactly, exactly. They had the cap space to kind of upgrade that this off season. Um, so I think I think that's where things get interesting. People mentioned the Eagles, which like naturally seems like a fit. They haven't invested anything into the running backs, um, but it would be kind of unlike Howie Roseman. If the Eagles do trade back, though, to like, I would say like 15 or later, like that's where I think Bijan somewhat comes in the cards. But like we could easily see like the Patriots take a Bijan Robinson. Like I would not be shocked yeah. there. They, they've been rumored to be looking for a blue chip player at the running back position. Um, Buccaneers would not shock me at all the tight like i I would say with Bijan, and we see this every year we see this every single year and this is with skill position players in general like we are always shocked at running backs and specific teams that draft these players like we always come away whether it's day one or day two and just be like wow like i didn't really see that team drafting a player but they did and now we have to adjust so like i think the lions like they were my team before the David Montgomery was like, okay, Lions at 18 is like, mm-hmm. if he falls there, that's like the perfect sweet, fit. sweet spot. Yeah, exactly. So like, would I be shocked if, do I think it's going to happen? No, but like if he falls to 18, like it's easy. Like, even though we are like penciling in David Montgomery, they could be like, okay, we got a blue chip player. David Montgomery mm-hmm. is a good player that we like, but like, we didn't expect to be in a scenario. We could draft BJ. Right. So like, I'm really trying to keep a very, very open mind 
with Bijan's possibilities. And I'm more looking sure. at the specific range of the draft rather than specific like team fit, because I, I'm mm. sure that there could be like a pack. So what range are you looking at? Are you looking at uh, between like eight and 20? Eight and 20. That's exactly what I'm looking at. So yeah. I think like the Packers could be a team where it's like, well, we know Aaron Jones on the way out. Like, am I shocked? Yeah. Like, should they draft Bijan? No, but like they could be sitting there like, this is by far the best player. We know he's a safe guy. Like we can integrate him a bunch in our offense. Aaron Jones is like be on his way out. Like, he could be not a whole like, lot of pressure on Jordan yeah. Love in his first year. Yeah, exactly. I can see that. Exactly. I, so I think that. There's, now, there's, a, there's a lot of possibilities to that. I have mm-hmm. two two more questions and two more wi- specific mm-hmm. wide receivers I want to talk about, and that's Jackson Smith and the Jigba real quick, and Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers, I feel like, is a big wild card Ooh, yeah. uh, this year. Uh, but but JSN, man, like, how early do you think he's going to go? Because I feel like he can go anywhere between the top 10 or he can go all the way down to 20. Like, I feel like that's like he has a similar range, I think, as Bijan. Um, I'm curious to, 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 to hear what you think on that, because what's interesting to me, I think that one of the most interesting things to me is I, I think I can see a scenario where the Texans draft, you know, like Bryce Young or someone like that, too, and then grab JSN. I think they're at I think they're at 12 again, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Please. Oh, my God. Please, please. That would be the absolute nuts for the Texans. Um, that would be incredible. And that would just make them exciting. I think. I think JSN is so interesting. And one thing I like to watch is how guys from a fantasy perspective are viewed in the NFL and how they are liked by scouts coming into this process. Jackson Smith and Jigba was like, I wouldn't say a borderline first rounder, but he was like a late first rounder type of guy. And I was like, so surprising. It It made no sense. Right. And it's like, we're looking at his fantasy guys. We're like, He's productive. He played with like Garrett Wilson. He played with yeah. Olave. And he outperformed Harrison. He outperformed them, right? So it's like it's like his profile is very close to some. Like I'm not going to put him on Jamar Chase type level, but it's like kind of close. Like where it's in the sphere. It's like Jamar Chase is like headed into the draft, did not play in a junior whatsoever, and was still a locked in top five pick. Whereas Jason is not. He, he's any. in a he, he's he's in a tier by himself in the in this year's draft, in my opinion. Yes. I agree. I 100% agree. But I think I've been trying to like wonder what scouts are thinking. And one of the reasons I think potentially that be coming up is he hasn't played a lot of outside. So it could be very like scheme oriented type of thing. But then again, like if you're looking at someone like Justin Jefferson coming out, he had the same exact concerns only played slot, but he was alongside Mm -hmm. Jamar chase. And it's like you utilize him in the pros and now he proved that he could play outside as well. And now he's just like the yeah. best receiver in football. Jackson, he doesn't, he doesn't have to be an X, right? You, he can exactly. play flanker and move around and be, play off the line and all that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. he'll be fine because apparently exactly. I was looking at, I was looking at Matt Harmon's reception perception on him and it's like lights out, like a man coverage mm-hmm. too, like not necessarily press. Cause he didn't see a whole lot of that, yeah. but man coverage, he absolutely killed it. Like he, he's literally the same guy, whether he's going up against man or zone. Yeah, and when he was – he didn't play outside much, but when he was, he was actually extremely productive. He had like a seven yards yep. per route run on like 80-something routes or something ridiculous like right. that. Right? So, right. so even on a limited sample, like he was dominating there. They just was never asked to do that. When you have Mar- – like Marvin Harrison is going to be a top five lock next year. You got Olave yep. and Wilson who are like two of the, some of the best rookie receivers we've seen in the past decade. And then it's like you have it, – it's like you're just surrounded by it. So he never got the opportunity to do that. And you even know like in his limited skills – limited skill set – of whatever team drafts him, like, you know, you're just going to get a dominant player there who can potentially do more. But I think from the NFL's view is now it's like, now when we're looking at the first round, I'm wondering if teams that have like a good slot receiver or along them, I wouldn't say like cross them up, but they're not like 
circling him. So now we have to right. look at wide receiver needy teams that have somebody open in the slot. So it's like we're looking at the Chargers, right? For example, it's like, oh yep. my God, that would be amazing to see him go there. But it's like Keenan Allen, him kind oh, of yeah. overlapping skill sets. Like, so maybe they're looking at a different type of wide receiver. So Keenan Allen is going to be what, 32? Keenan Allen is going to be like 32 this year, right? Like, he's it's going to be it's, older. It's about he's time. on the way out. Mike Williams isn't like this elite receiver or anything like that. So I feel like, I feel like the Chargers would actually be a low key good fit. It would be amazing. I would love to see that. But I, I think that's how teens potentially could have viewed him. And you rarely see guys go from like, unless you're like, I would say like a, a, a premium position, like a defensive end or a mm-hmm. cornerback or something like in, in those range where you're like, you absolutely just dominate like the offseason workouts. Like like a Nolan Smith, for example, would be somebody who like went from like right. a late or like a, last year, like a Trayvon Walker. Like Trayvon Walker was like, he wasn't going like the teens, but he was like looked at like a, like 10, 11, 12, and then he yeah. goes first overall. So it's like you see jumps from like those specific positions where it comes from like how teams value them, but you really see like wide receivers go from like, yeah, he's going to be like a borderline late first rounder to like, yeah, he's a top, locked in top 10 guy that, that we think sure. he probably should be. So I think his range probably starts at nine with the with the Bears. Um, I would say there, but his range is much wider than somebody like Bijan, where I think like, it just it's more like scheme fit as you go down the board. You can look at the Packers. Packers would be an amazing fit. The Patriots would be an amazing fit. I don't know if they're taking him like Texans. So you can easily make the case like as you go on, but it's like then you go to like Listen, the Chargers, man, you go to if, if he's available, like, if he's available at the end of the first round, like if, if that's what you're telling me, like you think that's a possibility. So you're saying that the Chiefs or the Vikings could potentially grab him, and that would be absolutely amazing. Yeah. See, but the, here here's the thing though. With, if Jackson Smith and Jigba is sitting there, um, for the Vikings, do they think him and Justin Jefferson have overlapping skill sets? And do they prefer someone else? Like, see, that that's the conversation. I think NFL GMs go through a lot in their process that us as, like, fantasy people, like, we don't really look at. And it's, like, it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. because, like, you can use – I feel like you can utilize him in more ways. But if they think that he's very scheme-specific, like, they just might look at more – scheme fit guys because the gms and the coaches like they draft guys that fit their scheme and fit what well, they're looking the, for. the vikings know exactly what's up though right, <laughs> right exactly. who, who, who literally knew that justin jefferson was not a slot only guy so i feel like they would be the rick spielman those guys with the same guys to know that jsn's not that guy yeah. right yeah i think i think the thing though that it all comes down to is i think there's so many teams that are sitting there in like that nine to like 20 range where have a need you can easily make a case for him um to where like he seems likely to go in that range like i would i wouldn't say it'd be shocked if he falls inside the top 20 but i'd say it's more likely than not he goes inside the top 20 but i i wouldn't i don't see him like falling far past like early 20s like vikings okay. could be a stop i think i think i would be shocked if he makes it like the the chiefs like right. that, like uh, i agree it, i would be shocked if he that far. he's but too I good think, of a receiver exactly, for that to happen exactly. and I, think, I think and he's also had a really good like options do so it's easy to see him rising but we're not gonna see him rise to the level of like right like a locked in his combine was legit he didn't run the 40 there but then he ran a solid 40 at his pro day so i think yeah, exactly. i think the teams are not going to be off of him by any means now yeah. real quick we're going to end it soon guys i promise if you made it this far god bless you appreciate you <laughs> um but zay flowers real quick man mini ab uh he's you know plus 165 for him to go after 24 right here right so if we're talking about jsn potentially going all the way down to 20 zay flowers you know we're talking about him as a potential first rounder obviously you have quinton johnston right most likely going in the first round that's his projected draft capital uh we also have uh jordan addison as a potential first round pick here 
Are we looking at Zay Flowers after 24 here at plus 165? No, actually, I lean under on that. I think I think, I think think the Zay Flowers is like a locked-in first-rounder. Um, Do you think that he ends up going before these other guys that I mentioned, Quinton Johnson and yeah, most so likely think, Jordan I mean, Addison? I, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I would say I would say how – if I were to rank right now how I think they are going to go in the draft, I think sure. Jackson Smith and Jigba would go first. I think Zay Flowers is second. Quentin Johnson third and Jordan Addison fourth. But I do think Zay Flowers is the most likely outside of Jackson with Jigba to be the first wide receiver drafted because I think teams could look at him as, I mean, really if Zay Flowers was, I don't know, 20, 30 pounds heavier, like he's really like a perfect like NFL prototype for yeah. like what they're looking for. Very versatile yeah. receiver, smooth in and out of his routes great after the catch, like good in all three phases of the, of the game where it's like, he feels like a very, very safe prospect and exactly what teams are looking for. Like, like Jahan Dotson last year, he went what 17 or 18 or 16th overall to to the commanders. Yeah. He went to 16th overall to the commanders. So I think like we could definitely see that. And I think that's where the question is like, I I see like a chargers fit would be amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. Minnesota would be great. Um, looking up at the board, like the Patriots always do weird things. Like he, he could be a Patriots guy. Like he, from the, yeah. he's is Boston College. They get a nice look at him. Like Patriots are always but, wild know, card. It's like fu- it's funny because like right before twenty four, you have the Chargers, Ravens, and Vikings picking at twenty one, twenty two, and twenty three. Right, they're all in need of a yeah. wide receiver. So oh, I yeah. feel like one of those teams are probably going to bite. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, and that, that's the thing is like there's a need there. He's the guy that like. I, f- I feel like if you were to look at like what NFL teams do on like their big boards and how they rank receivers, I feel like Zay Flowers is like top three on every board where it's like you have like Quentin Johnson and Jordan Addison and like Jalen Hyatt, like probably just like there's like more variance with those guys and how teams sure. view them. So you might have a team that really likes like a Jordan Addison or like for, like Chargers might really like them because their wide receiver that uh, Hayden Winks put out a very interesting connection of like the, the wide receiver coach that recruited him in college is now with the chargers so it's like that's now an interesting like potential fit so it's like there might be team specific things but i think zay flowers on every there's less variance on zay flowers than maybe any other wide receiver in terms of how teams view him and i think that makes him a very safe prospect to go first round and especially for like fantasy drafts as well like like i would be shocked if he doesn't go first round um and i think he's probably gonna end up in a pretty good spot too like i think i think he's gonna be a i think good so spot, so I, I think so. Uh, you know, the more I watch on him and the more I look into it, I think he's also going to be my wide res- my my overall wide receiver too uh, in this rookie class. Um, that's what it's looking like to me. I think he has less holes than the other guys that we mentioned outside of JSN. Um, yeah, 100%. But yeah, dude, I think, listen, man, we went through so much in this episode. <laughs> I appreciate you, dude. You brought the knowledge in this one, man. So thank you for that, man. I really appreciate it. Again, you can find all of Dalton's work at stealinglines.substack.com. He does that with Ben Gretsch, legendary. I love it. Um, that's where you get all your all your sports betting stuff. Like all, if you want the upper hand there, dude, please follow Dalton Cates. Uh, Dalton, what's your what's your Twitter handle again? Uh, at Dalton underscore Cates. Gotta keep it simple. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Perfect. Mm-hmm. At Dalton underscore Cates on Twitter. Go give him a follow there as well, Dalton. Appreciate you, man. 
Always, always good chopping it up with you, my guy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Always and, and thanks, always fun. thanks for thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, this is Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Please subscribe if you can. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. See ya.